0: there's greatness in you. Let's talk about it. Hey, everyone. Dr. Jamil Sayed here, and welcome to the Transformation Starts Today podcast, where I interview leaders, champions, and high performers from all walks of life as they share their story, the lessons they've learned along the way, and empowering perspectives to help you create an extraordinary life without regret starting today. Today, we have with us Etienne Piersman. Etienne is a highly inspirational and respected teacher in the field of cranial sacral therapy. An author and the founder of Piersman Cranio, as well as the Craniosacral Therapy Academy in Holland, where he originated the Craniosacral Professional Organization and is an honorary member of the Dutch Craniosacral Practitioner Society. After a staph infection left him with nearly 20% kidney function, he found that preparing to die brought him the clarity of total silence. In the remarkable turn of events, he was able to heal his own body, which led him to travel to the Osho International Meditation Center, where he was first introduced to cranial sacral therapy during an immersive meditation and bodywork training. Etienne travels the world with his life partner, Toshiko, teaching, where he is invited to share this his opportunities of radical self-transformation. Etienne, it's an honor to have you with us. Welcome to the show. All right. Thank you. How are you so doing today? Quite an introduction. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, It's going to be beautiful. Um, I'm really excited. You know, this is our first time meeting. And so I look forward to getting to know you alongside our audience.
1: Okay, good.
0: And so for our listeners who don't yet know you, they haven't heard your story. Can you please share with us who you are? What led you to do what you do today? Why you do what you do today? What inspired you to get to where you are now? Well,
1: yeah, what inspired me? uh, uh, Getting with my nose against the wall. You know that staph infection that I had was due to a lifestyle that was before that. You know I was quite a wild person in those days in uh, the sixties and the seventies. It's quite a while ago actually, <laughs> and uh, you know it all led to a world of drugs and love and all kind of all kind of uh, yeah exploring what is out of there out there. And at a certain point, you know, my body couldn't keep up anymore. So that's also the staph infection was a result of all of that. Mm-hmm. And uh, <clears throat> during those days, I was already introduced a few times to meditation. And in those days, the only things that were available was Biodynamic work, uh, bioenergetics, it was called primal scream, all that primitive emotional release. So meditation was also part of it. So I knew already a little bit about all of that. And then of course came the stab infection, which as you just read, you know, one part of my body, my kidney was uh, on one side, almost 70% dead material, and the other kidney close to 90. So yeah, you can't live with that. So for me, that's a death sentence. And that means total panic, really, total, total panic. So, yeah, what else can you do when that panic is there? Basically nothing. So, yeah, I had no way out. And, yeah, I knew how to meditate. So I started the meditation. And that's where the magic happened. Mm-hmm. After half an hour, you know, total silence. Suddenly, everything, everything, everything turned around, the mind became quiet. I felt totally at peace, totally accepting that I was going to die. And the, the the fun thing, actually, was the acceptance of all of it. I knew this was my lifestyle that led to that. And I was happy with it because that's the lifestyle I chose. There was no doubt anymore. So, all right, you know, there I am accepting that and feeling fine about it. And all right, there's a whole story about dying, but then at a certain moment, um, you know, after I came back basically from a very close to death experience, um, I still had a body that needed to be healed. Those kidneys, they were non-functional. My heart valves yeah, we're also not working. So the body was severely, severely damaged. What was happening was I was totally quiet. There was no, yeah, no panic. Nothing, nothing. Just, just the happiness with uh, watching what was happening. And uh, that's when I went into the woods with a friend of mine. I went out of the hospital, went to the woods because they were giving me so much medication. I knew, yeah, that this is certainly going to kill me. You know, those medica- that med- it was a handful of medication every day just to keep everything going. So I thought, all right, I'm not going to. It was so painful that. So I went into the woods and I stayed four days. Uh, alone in a forest, Uh, couldn't move almost. At night, I found a spot to sleep in amongst the trees. And at night, I couldn't stay in the body. I just felt that I needed to be on the earth. My body needed the earth. And uh, every night, I left the body watching what was happening. And uh, animals came to sniff to see what was around, you know, foxes and snakes and a boar with 20 little ones. And uh, what what I could see from that distance was the respect they had for what was happening to the body. And in the day when the sun came up, luckily it was in the summer, when the sun came up, the heat of the sun allowed me to go back in the body And uh, I sat in the whole day. Yeah, I wouldn't even call it meditation. There was just nothing happening in the mind. It was just clarity. So four days, and I felt after the fourth day, I'm fine. So I went back to the city, back to the hospital. A few days later, they checked my kidneys, my heart, and everything was fine. Everything was basically what it was before yeah that's kind of you could say a miracle <laughs> but you know it was such an amazing an amazing experience and of course that silence state yeah it was yeah that space of of total acceptance of total neutrality with life and i felt so alive actually but it took me about a year for my body to gain the strength again. And that's when I went to Pune to uh, to meet Osho. Uh, I met him 20 years before. Yeah, I became a sannyasin 20 years before, but I never met him in person, only in dreams. So I went there and did a, a deep training, uh, was kind of a massage training. And I encountered cranio there, that was a part of it. And when I felt that what cranial does, you know, I knew this is what I'm gonna do for the rest of my life. This was 1989, and I haven't been doing anything else since those days. Wow. And the reason that it that I stayed with it because I felt with the cranial touch and with what we do with craniosacral, sacral, it brought me the the closest to the absolute silence of. Of dying, where everything is just yeah exposed, basically that silence, that no mind space, going totally out of out of the mind into well, yeah that that other mind, the cosmic mind, yeah that connection is available so easily, available with yeah with cranio sacral, and with the way that we touch people. Yeah, it's not just touching. It is, you can, we call it conscious touch. Yeah, where you connect and you wait, you don't do anything. It is, and that's difficult (laughs) not to do anything. Yeah, and of course you live in New York where everybody's so busy, but (laughs) yeah, the conscious touch. Yeah, that is basically the key to getting into a no-mind space, yeah, when you touch for about a minute and you become aware of what every finger and your hand palm, what they all are touching. Yeah, you cannot think at the same time. It's two worlds, yeah. Either you're in that total touch or you're in the mind, or somewhere in between. But you know, that's basically what what we use to connect to a body. And of course, at the same time, after a minute with conscious touch, your body starts to be flooded with oxytocin and the client also. And oxytocin is that love hormone that creates oneness between mom and baby. Yeah, it's an oxytocin flood that they have and we replicate that with our, with our cranial conscious touch so you have two things at the same time happening one is with the touch the instant mindfulness it happens instantly and then secondly with the oxytocin flooding yeah it becomes very very hard to get back in the mind you go into that no mind space that same space, basically, that created the body. And by the way, that is so easy. It is so easy because, yeah, I'm on a roll now. So <laughs> It is so easy because every night we go in that space. Yeah. When you go into deep sleep, your mind stops. You're in that no mind healing space because There is nothing to be aware of, but the body is totally at work healing itself. So that's the same space that we go into with our cranial work. And the nice thing is everybody that you touch knows that space because we spend so much time there. So, yeah, it's very easy. It's maybe the
0: easiest therapy in the world, yeah, to just touch and do nothing yeah one thing that uh well, first <laughs> of all thank you for sharing your story especially your healing journey something about that that i want to speak to a theme that i've noticed that is prevalent in your story as well as so many people that i've met and or learned from who've had a prognosis that was fatal and yeah that, you know they recovered you know outside of what the medical paradigm told them would happen they completely recovered And it's that idea of that stepping into that space of acceptance, not battling and going to war, fighting, whatever it is. It's this pure acceptance of what is. And like you said, it's almost like you're falling in love with the moment. And from that space, you're okay with whatever happens. And the irony is when you're in that space, you're more likely to heal. And so it's almost like the letting go of the fight is likely to heal you. But yeah. the persistence of the fight keeps the nervous system locked in this tense state, the fight or flight, you know, and that's going to prevent that healing from happening to the degree that it could. And so oh, that yeah. was one thing that stood out to me in your story.
1: Yeah. You know, the, the point is you have no choice. Yeah. You have to let go. Yeah. The body is ba- busy, busy letting go. And the mind just has to follow, you know, and you notice then panic doesn't work. Yeah. nothing works anymore so right there is only one choice and also what i noticed at that point you don't have any energy anymore to fight yeah one, and, yeah
0: i'm sorry go ahead.
1: yeah when i was at that spot you know of course you get all these emotions yeah what can i do but you know your body knows it's too late you know all the things you think all the emotions it's too late, you can't do anything anymore. And I noticed that also in my practice, the people that really will change are the ones that tried almost everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they tried this and that and such and so, and at a certain moment, they're just ready for something totally radical, totally new, yeah, Uh, a let go state. Yeah, and that's what I had to experience Yeah, Yeah, before I could heal the body, then there was no way out. The mind couldn't help me anymore. Yeah, I had to let go of that. And luckily that, yeah, I was, you could say, destined yeah, yeah to share this experience. Yeah, so I didn't die because, yeah, there was still something in the body, I guess, that was valuable enough to stay alive. So, yeah, that prevented me from really
0: Mm. kicking that bucket. There are two uh, recommendations I want to share with our listeners. So the first one, you use the word radical. There's a book called Radical Remission. And for anyone who's interested, this is particularly, I believe, about cancer, but it could be about anything it's, it's a, the author went around the world and found all of these patients who were diagnosed with something that were they were told there was no cure and this was what it was going to be and they were going to die in a short period of time and these people had a full remission and cure despite the doctors having no idea like how that happened and she yeah out what's all the things that they did and so first that's something people might want to read second book is a book called loving what is by a woman named byron katie and it's very much in alignment with what you're talking about, This state of acceptance, this pure acceptance for the moment as it is. Um, it reminds me of, I believe it was Lance Armstrong, but I've heard this from several people who've survived cancer. They'll say something to the degree of cancer was the best thing that ever happened to me. And people are very often surprised by that. And they'll say, how could this thing that in their mind is the worst thing that could possibly happen, be the best thing that could ever happen to you and these people will say prior to the cancer i was living my life unconsciously i was mm-hmm. i was I was like a zombie i was just going through the motions and i kind of thought i was going to live forever and then the moment i had my mortality like <laughs> right in my face that hey like yeah. gonna die soon. Yeah. and then you have that second chance all of yeah. a sudden every moment is a miracle every moment is magic every, one more day you want to like squeeze all the juice out of it and really live your life. And the beauty of this is all of our listeners, you don't have to get cancer or whatever the condition is to have that wake up call. You can have it right now. And you well, can, yeah, none of us, if I ask you a simple question, how much time do you have left? Every single person has the same answer to that question. I don't know. And because you don't know what if you start living as if this could be the last day, what if you live as if that hug, that intimacy, that what that meal that you're about to eat, if this was the last t- time you were going to get to experience that, you would bring a level of attention and presence and energy and love to that person or that experience more than you probably typically do. And if you just lived every day like that, I remember hearing one of my mentors Dr. Wayne Dyer um every morning when he wakes up, the first words out of his mouth, it's a prayer to God, to the universe, he just says thank you. You know, it's that I woke up, you know, there's a lot of people that didn't (laughs) wake up today. And so just coming from that space, you don't have to wait for something, you know, quote unquote, bad to happen. You can step into that space of gratitude, of abundance, of a perspective shift right now through this conversation that Etienne right now and I are having. And so one thing before we keep going, just because I'd love uh, to give some clarification for our listeners, can you please define what is craniosacral therapy?
1: Um... Well, yeah, 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 that's not easy, but it is. You know what we do is we know a little bit, not everything, but we know a little bit how the body is formed, how the nerve system forms itself, how the brain forms, how the spinal cord forms. And there is a few things that we work with. In circle First of all, yeah, the most important thing is we give space to the brain. We know the, the, the skull has different bones. And when we touch these different bones, these different parts of the skull, the way that we touch, I described it a little bit, conscious touch, which means, for instance, the frontal bone, yeah, we just touch it. And of course, yeah, that's what we learn. How much pressure or how little pressure do you need to give? It's basically a touch that you become one with the bone. So nothing more, nothing less, just connecting to it. And then if you wait for just wait, the bone itself, and that's a strange thing, but that's how the body works. The bone itself will adjust and find for that moment the best place possible. And we do that with every bone of the skull. And then you come to yeah, a readjustment because we all had to come through a channel that is too small. You yeah, the birth channel. Yeah, it's a bit too small, but yeah, that's how nature designed it. And then later, you know, everything goes into place. But usually there is always one or two bones that need a little bit of help. So what we do is we readjust the skull, the bones of the skull, and we do the same with all the diaphragms in the body. On the spine, the spinal cord, the spinal column, there is different spots and they're the same with everybody like the respiratory diaphragm. Yeah. And for instance, the respiratory diaphragm when you go to school. Yeah. And that starts at age five or six, you enter into a totally different world. Yeah. Basically your freedom of expression is taken away because you're forced to pay attention and just the act of having to pay attention for the brain, yeah, where it comes from, a state of survival. Paying attention in class is also minimal, but it is a state of survival. You have to pay attention or that or is a big one. yeah. All kinds of stuff might happen to you. So paying attention alone makes your brain produce stress hormones. Now, if you go to school for 10 years, you get used to a certain amount of stress hormones in the body. And that's your neutral level, yeah? Being with stress hormones. Now, for the respiratory diaphragm, there is another thing that comes with it. If you're in class and you're five or six-year-old, you want to express, you want to play, you want to move, you want to this, you want to that. You, you're alive. And suddenly you have to sit still. You have to pay attention. You have to be quiet. And very soon you learn to be quiet. I just keep my mouth closed. I just hold my breath. And you start yeah, breathing in a with a minimal amount of oxygen. And that's and it happens unconsciously, but it brings your diaphragm after 10 years in a straight of holding. And when that happens, the energy, the life force in your spine yeah, has to go through a holding space. And there is a few of them in the spine that are all tight with everybody. So what we do is, that's the first thing, find these spaces these places, and they're the same with everybody, just hold them until the doors open up. And then naturally the life force, which goes up and down into the spine is free. And then we open up the skull and now the body, the brain, the person has access to the maximal life force available. And of course, the first thing the body is gonna do is heal. What needs to be repaired yeah, is on a physical level. That's the first thing that needs to happen. So basically what we do is bring clarity on a physical level, yeah, removing the barriers for the life force. But when you remove that on a physical level, the life force itself is going to bring to the surface The shadows that people live with, you know, and that's basically what I hear, what your work is, working with the shadows that people have that prevent them to be alive. Yeah, when the life force starts flowing in the body, these shadows and they're not. The the person's shadows, they're all brought in by other people, by education, by the parents, by what others tell you. They become visible. They come to the surface. And then you can talk about them. Yeah, that's part of our cranial work. Uh, Yeah, it's kind of a coaching, but with the hands still on the body and with the person still in that no-mind space. So it is not a direct coaching with the brain, but more with that other, yeah, uh, yeah, that other uh, mind they have, that
0: cosmic mind, yeah, so, yeah, that's a little bit what we do. That's beautiful, especially with the part you were just talking about, you know, I've gotten to experience cranial sacral a few times in my life, and when I was in medical school, a great friend of mine, to this day, we're still great friends, he was a practitioner of that and I'd never heard of it. And he gave me a few experiences. And for everyone listening, imagine, you know, you're laying down, whether it's like a chiropractic table or a massage table or just on the ground, wherever you are, but you're laying down. And the practitioner has their hands, you know, on your, holding your head, but in different positions. And like Etienne said, very gentle, sometimes more pressure, sometimes less. Yeah. And it was just, it was such a relaxing experience. And I had some profound um experiences as a result of that experience a lot of of experience (laughs) there I had some profound experiences there that I'd never had before and it was beautiful and what you were just talking about you know this the shadow let's say in in more like using my background with the mental and emotional release work and the NLP and Mm -hmm. the coaching it's like the unconscious mind let's say there's something that's been suppressed for maybe years decades and it's coming up now because through the The doors, let's say, like you said, that you're opening, the gates that you're opening, it's coming up now to be seen, to be heard. And then let's say they might start speaking and they're speaking about whatever it is that was suppressed. And as it's coming up, it's coming out and it's, it's flowing out and it's almost like it's getting drained away. And then the healing energy continues to come in. The body continues to heal. And I'd imagine the person is left in a very peaceful state that's far superior to the one they were in before from a healed perspective
1: yeah totally you know it's you explain it better than i do <laughs>
0: <laughs> So something else to to your story which i find really beautiful you mentioned how you know i'll put my hand on the part of the body and then you said something to the degree that, but i just wait like i'm not trying to force something and i know yeah. in my own work when i'm when, I, when i'm privileged to do to facilitate energy work for people in a similar way you know, the hands go on, and so you know, it could be hands off as well. But the hand, you know, I, I connect to them and I and I wait, and I'll feel this in a way flow through me to them. But if I try to do it, if I'm trying to be like the one in charge and forcing it, I get in the way. But if yes. I put myself to the side and like okay. you said, get into the no mind space and allow it to come through. Yeah it's beautiful what happens and so when yeah. we get everyone and regardless of what you do everyone's probably heard of the flow state whether through athletics or through anything when you're in a state of presence where you're challenged to the point where it's just outside your capability but you have to kind of rise to the occasion there's this flow where you start operating at an optimal level your functioning is so heightened But it doesn't really feel like you're the one doing it. It kind of feels like it's just happening so wonderfully. And if you tried, you'd be getting in the way and you're just allowing it to happen. And we've all experienced it at various points. And if we allow that to happen more in our life, imagine what could happen
1: yes you know that's also the most difficult thing to do because we are schooling makes us do things yeah you have to make the grades you have to be better than the other one there is that competition 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 you know and all right here all that falls away and that's the most difficult thing to do for a person to get out of that out of that space and allow allow the body take over. That's also, you know, uh, my main program is a radical empowerment program to learn craniosacral where people in two and a half months go through the whole program. You know, there is, uh, we have nine classes that happen there. Every class is four days. And, uh, So their physicality changes totally. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Their body opens up. We talk to the heart, which is, well, yeah, I can talk about that. Talk to the heart. You know, if I ask a person, how are you feeling? How is your heart feeling? You can see, you know, immediately their eyes go to that corner or to that corner. Their mind is going to answer the question. Now, when they're on the table and the heart is the very first organ in the body that starts functioning, yeah? The brain will be the first one to be created, but the heart is the very first one that starts with its function. And that's 18 days after conception. The heart is already beating. So the heart knows everything. It has gone through all life experiencing, feeling, everything that happens to you. And in the beginning, of course, yeah, that heart of ours is so small, so vulnerable, it needs to be protected. And luckily, it has that pericardium. That heart protector, it has its own meridian, yeah. And New Yorkers know that meridian very well. It's connected to this finger, yeah. (laughs) So it's a stay away, yeah, leave me alone. Uh, But that's the heart protector and it allows. (laughs) Yes, it allows. I know you know those fingers very well.
0: (laughs) For anyone who's just listening and not with us on video, there's the middle finger. (laughs) (laughs) So
1: that heart protector, you know, needs to work so hard for the heart to become an adult heart. And then at the moment that you become an adult, yeah, most people are unable and not realizing, but there is something in their ability to give love that is not available or to receive, yeah? They wanna receive, but they can't, yeah? Everywhere they they go, you know, something in them prevents them from receiving or giving. So for us, that's the first, all the preparations is a few classes in silence, the silent work. And then, you know, here is the class where we start to talk with the client when they're in that space. And we talk about their heart protector. Yeah, we introduce and let them look how thick is it. Yeah. And of course, how do you want it to be at this moment so love can come in and out? And um, that's quite radical. Yeah, When they are able and they feel that they are able to change their own protection towards others, towards people, to let that love in and go out. Yeah, that's basically, um, you could say, one of the foundations of my program to open that heart up so that the person becomes real, not sitting behind the barrier,
0: but yet becomes real, their heart comes alive again. What would you say in your experience are some of the primary reasons why the barriers go up and why they have a hard time allowing their heart to give and to receive? And what do you find to be some of the, the tools that people can use to open up more and bring down the barrier? Well, the tools they can use Yes, it is, you know,
1: going to a person like you uh, to just look in, yeah, uh, dive into what is happening inside, or with craniosacral, it will pop up automatically, yeah, it, the body, you can't keep it down when you start opening up the doors, yeah, the reality of the body, it's aliveness, yeah, will start popping up. Will start coming up. Mm-hmm. And once that starts, there is no end to it. Yeah, it's a an ever yeah opening up, an, an an endless, endless, endless opening, an endless transformation, because that's one of the secrets of the heart. Yeah, it's not only, and that's what we yeah instill in people that feeling, and it's not something new. It's something that they know. One of the tasks of the heart is to connect inside in the inner world. There is two worlds, the inner world and there is the outer world, which is fast. But the inner world is also fast, it's trillions of cells. And it is in a continuous state of flux. Yeah, every night millions of cells are being replaced. Every night that happens, maybe trillions of cells are being replaced. Your body is continuously, continuously reshaping itself, recreating itself. And so the heart's the heart's task is to connect. Imagine to connect to every cell in the body. Because every cell in the body needs what the heart via the blood is gonna give them the nut- the nurturing things like oxygen and glucose. Yeah, So the heart connects to every individual cell in the body. Wow. And that also happens in the outer world. Wherever you look, your heart can connect <clears throat> if it chooses to, to insects, to people, to animals to mountains to the sky to stars to the sun to the moon it can connect also to all and everything that's out there yeah so all right besides that that the heart is responsible to stay connected with everything and if you can't connect you're not alive basically you're not who you're supposed to be or who you really are yeah you we are born with that openness but then you know once the heart start opening up there is that other thing that the heart is responsible for which is transformation in chinese medicine there is this triple heater meridian it describes our energy and it's three spots One is the energy you're born with. Yeah, the energy that they call chi, yohara. We all have a different amount. The second aspect of energy is the energy you take in every day. That's the second part. It keeps us going every day, the food that we eat, the digestion. But the third aspect of that triple heater is the heart. It's strange that it has to do something to do with your energy, but the heart in its function is able, that's what it's all about, to transform any energy that comes your way, anything, inside but also outside. The heart can transform anger. It can transform sadness. Yeah. If you meet somebody with anger, that's somebody that has anger. Yeah. If you meet them with love, yeah, So, transformation happens not only for you, but also for the other person. So, that's basically the beginning of our cranial course. Yeah, it's class four where we connect to the heart and the ability, the understanding that transformation, change is what we are all about. Yeah, there is a never, ever, ever. Ending, change happening in nature. Yeah, that's the nature of consciousness. It keeps on changing and changing and changing, growing, becoming more and more aware. And yeah, when you open the heart, you open up that ability uh, to the person that has that happen to them. And it might be instant or it might take them a few weeks or months or even lifetimes to realize that, but you open that up, and um, that's so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> that's so much fun to, yeah, to see the light go on in a person's eyes. Like, hey, I'm not stuck. Hmm. I'm not. Yeah, I can't get out of this mess.
0: I love that. It's definitely fun. I know. I know the feeling. And when yeah, you- yeah, I can see that. Yeah. I- I'd love to. Um, I asked you two questions at once, so my, my apologies. The first question I wanted to find out about, in your experience, especially when people are lying there and then things start coming up, yeah. what have you found to be the shadow? What have you found to be the block? What, what, what was the experience? Because maybe our listeners can relate. What was the thing that shut that heart down or brought the barrier up and kept the love out?
1: <laughs> well... The most important thing before that happens is, as a practitioner, your own shadows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You cannot go through shadows of the client if you haven't gone through your own shadows. Yeah, it's it's basic. Yeah, yeah. it's 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 a uh, a protective mechanism that you cannot go with the client if you haven't traveled the road yourself. Yeah, it's impossible. You don't dare it's impossible to go there if you yourself are not open so yeah that comes before the shadows of of the client and then the main thing it's always the parents it's always the upbringing it's schooling it's always everything that somebody else told you how the world is and it is not the way they told you yeah they take away your chance to experience. Yeah, your chance to really uh, experience the world as is because you're filled, you're filled, you're filled with ideas that are not yours. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's
0: basically the main thing that happens. It's interesting. You just reminded me of, so the word education or educate, I believe in Latin it's educa, And it means to draw out from within. And so Einstein has a quote, I'm going to paraphrase it, something to the extent of education is not about filling somebody's head. It's about like drawing forth what's in their heart, like what's already there. And that's a very interesting point because I find that I've also seen in my own work, like you said, we grow up and as children, we're very impressionable. There's a perspective I believe this is a um, a Hebrew perspective, but I think many cultures have said it. The very Some variation of give me the boy, and this applies to women as well, but at the time it was like, give me the boy until seven years of age and I will show you the men. Because if I can download into this child beliefs about themselves and about the world, oh, how life is up until about seven, that personality is kind of like getting locked in. And obviously it can be changed after, but in the, you have to be conscious of it. So in the beginning, it's in a way, it becomes the program. It becomes the conditioning. And then you believe certain things about yourself and about other people. And this is the way life is. And like Etienne saying, what if it's just not true? But everything is being built on a lie. And so you're living your whole life thinking certain things. And it's creating certain experiences. And then you go to see someone like Etienne, let's say, or myself. And you get exposed to a whole new way of seeing the world things start coming up like etienne's talking about these shadows start coming up to come out and you think but what about this and what about this and this happened and that happened and it's like you know it's okay and like allowing it to process allowing it to flow out and bringing love to it not fighting it which is similar to your story in the beginning the acceptance yeah but that's what every
1: religion uses you know the Give them the children, and everybody gives them the children. And by the indeed, by the age of seven, you know, they're either this religion or that religion or that religion. And it is, they they pour it into, into the unconscious. Yeah, before that, that a child becomes really conscious, yeah, there is already a program in there. Yeah, that's that's what uh, what happens. I saw a video of you too that music group mm-hmm. where they, in the background, they have the word belief, and then they cut it. And in the middle of the word belief, it says lie. Mm. That was so beautiful. I remember that, yeah, yeah.
0: Ah, oh, that's not so powerful. You know, in case, and this goes with this, so in case our audience doesn't know. So our brain, there's multiple like brainwave states. And so there's gamma wave and then there's beta, alpha, theta, delta. People might be familiar with some of these right now, as you're listening to this, more than likely you're in a beta brainwave state and you're going around and you're just very aware you're active at what's going on. And as you drift into alpha, alpha is like more of like the daydream. It's very relaxed. And then sometimes the meditation, when you get into theta, theta is like, there's hypnosis, there's deep trance, there could be sleep. And then your brain's always moving around. And so I bring this up because children up until around seven, they're in a theta brainwave state. And that's one of the reasons why they can learn so quickly. They're basically in hypnosis. They're in this like sponge absorption phase where whatever they see, you do. They model you, model meaning like they base their behaviors based on what you do. But then whatever you teach them, whatever they learn, that becomes like written in the in the programming. So this is true. Yes, yes, They're in dream time.
1: That's where they are, yeah. And, you know, when, when we teach, when I teach, there is two states. There is the fast state, like we were talking a minute ago, where they, and that needs to happen. The brain needs that information so that it can rest assured, I understand. And then they go on the table. And I'm using now that other voice, that voice that comes from that no-mind space. So when people are on the table and the voice slows down, their brain, the mind has to slow down also, and it can't. So it's gonna turn off. Yeah. And then you get back in that dream time where the body hears different aspects. It basically hears the vibration, not the words. The words are mind. Mm-hmm. The vibration of the words, that's what really matters. And that's what the body understands. So, our teaching happens in those two spaces. Yeah, the mind needs to know, it needs to happen, it needs to understand what is happening. Like my voice is now a mind voice. And then also the other part of the body the dream time body, yeah, that we call it the the, the no-mind space, yeah, that also, that's where, as you said, that's where deep learning happens, yeah, where the body really gets it. And the brain just comes along, you know, because it understands, so it lets it happen.
0: Can you expand on, we've talked about it a little bit, This the no-mind state, Can you expand on that? Anything you'd like to add?
1: Well, yes, it's meditation. Yeah, you try to go in meditation and then your mind is busy doing all kinds of stuff, you know, going over. Did I pay this? Did I turn off the gas? Oh yeah, my keys are in my pocket, whatever. Uh, Oh, I shouldn't have said that or that to my girlfriend. (laughs) All these things are happening and that's the mind unraveling. And that is endless, that is endless. Uh, now, what we do with our conscious touch, and this is basically quantum physics, but if you connect two bodies, one body's energy is one body's energy. If you're meditating, you have that energy available to go clean out whatever is in the way for the life force to happen by itself. You have only your energy in deep sleep. Also cleaning the body. You have only your energy available to clean the house. That's what it is. But if you consciously connect, which is this, that's a conscious touch. You, the person that's doing that, the practitioner, just becomes aware of what it is you're touching. It connects to the body itself. And at that moment, and this is the power of oxytocin, that hormone that the, the hypothalamus creates it, yeah, it is the hormone that creates love, basically. It's a hormone that makes two people, a mother and a baby, into one energy. And we use that because they, that's what the body is going to do. Every time you connect consciously, that happens, you start being flooded. So at that moment, and that's one of the things that oxytocin also does, it turns off the mind. That conscious touch, becoming aware of what it is you're feeling, also turns off the mind. And then we have a few little tricks, like one of the very easy meditation tricks we use is, all right, now relax your jaw. Just relax that jaw. And then the, the body, the yeah, locus ceruleus really part of the brain, stops producing norepinephrine that's stress hormone so we have a few tricks that we put on top of each other to get to a space and that's what i call going through the eye of the needle yeah going through suddenly you're in a no mind space and what is a no mind space total clarity nothingness And it is so much, so deep, so wide, so empty that the mind cannot grasp it. The mind cannot observe it. It's too big for the mind. So you cannot really talk about it. You can, yeah, indicate or talk around it like I'm trying to do now, but it is so empty. Yeah, and as you say, the result... You had a few sessions and yeah, it is this wow effect. What is this? Yeah. And that's meditation. And for us, being connected makes it so much easier to go in that space.
0: Easier than just sitting on your own. Yeah, something very interesting I find is so often we're not aware of the tension, sometimes subtle tension, that we're carrying in our body. You know, right when you said relax your jaw, I recognized that I was clenching my jaw, and then I and I saw then, it. I saw <laughs> it, <laughs> and then I relaxed it. And you know, maybe some of our listeners, maybe your shoulders are hiked up right now, and you're not even. Oh yeah. Ready. And then you exhale, and they drop several inches, and you go, "Oh wow, you yeah. know, maybe Your posture isn't great right now, and it's causing tension in your back, and you're not aware of it. And then, right when you fix it, so much can shift. Like the subtle shifts can make really profound differences. And so I would love it for you, can if you could share with us, some of our listeners right now are listening and they're probably thinking, you know, maybe I could find somebody nearby who does cranial sacral. I'd love to experience this. Could you share with us some stories, some impactful experiences that you've had with people you've gotten to work with? So people get an idea of what to expect, what kind of results might happen?
1: Yep. Hmm. Oh, Yeah. The, well, you know, it, it's a little story, and it's so beautiful. There is this boy, dyslectic, meaning he can't read. He's seven years old. He yes. has such a hard time reading. And, of course, when that happens in school, every kid has problems with that. Mm-hmm. Of course, you know, in well, I was going to make a joke about New York, but <laughs> <laughs> in New York, they're fast with reading, but, you know, the parents force them already when they're three years old, I guess, to start reading. But anyway, this kid, you know, in uh, I've been there myself. I was a, a teacher myself for kids. So I've seen it and I was in class also. And when one kid is really struggling, everybody's anxiety, yeah, they all start laughing, you know, and the teacher even goes also with it. So this kid, you know, when he's really struggling, he's going to have to get even. So at a certain point, you know, these kids are, yeah, laughed at and they're going to become bullies usually. Yeah, but anyway, that's another story. But okay, this kid comes And I tell him, okay, you know, tell mom, I can help him. And I know when this bone here, there is a bone right on the right side, the ear is connected to it, the temporal bone, the right one. If that is stuck, that's the place where the brain picks up reading. That's the spot right there, the temporal lobe, where the center of reading is happening. So if it is stuck... You are not going to be able to read. A brain has a subtle motion. Just like trees move in the wind, you know, the brain has a subtle, very subtle rhythm, but it needs to have that. And if it's stuck, that area doesn't work too well. So, all right, I knew that. I knew also we have a technique where we connect to the ears and we give a very light pull. And there is a membrane inside, one of the cranial membranes, and that part of the brain is sitting right on top of it. So if the membrane is stuck, yeah, it's also going to prevent that part of the brain to move. So I knew when I do that, it's going to start moving and he's probably going to start learning again or reading easier. So he comes to me. And, uh, you know, on the way to my, to my treatment room, there was like a 10-yard walk. Uh, I asked him, what is that dyslexia? So he comes for his dyslexia, and I ask him, what is it? He looks at me like I'm a moron, you know, like <laughs> this guy. But it gave him a chance to express what he does to him in class. So I said, oh, okay, okay. So I put him on my table and I said, where do you do that reading? Again, a stupid question. In my head, of course. You know, so he started to feel a little better about himself at that point. I could see it, you know, like I'm the moron, not him. Yeah, (laughs) That that, that idea. So I said, "Oh, oh, to save face. I knew that, I knew that. I was just checking. So, all right, you know, and uh, I start with uh, withholding his head. I said, well, let's go look in your head yeah, to the place where you're reading. So I put my hand on his heart and I ask him, you know what blood is? Of course, you know, a seven-year-old knows that. You know what blood cells are? Of course, he know." And now I say, all right, become a bunch of stems of, of of blood cells. Yeah, of course, you know, that's imagination. And of course, you know, immediately he, I could see, you know, his imagination, he became a bunch of stem cells. I said, all right, now let's go look inside in your brain. And I said, all right, but first we need oxygen. So my hands are on his heart. I said, let's go to the lungs, get some oxygen, He starts breathing. All right, now back to the heart. Now let's bring the oxygen to your brain. So he's totally with me at this point, you know, because, hey, he's traveling in his body. And there is two big arteries that go. I said, do you want to take this one or this one? He had to think, all right, let's take both. All right, we go in his brain. And we go to a certain spot in the brain where these arteries come. And it's a circle, like a traffic circle, yeah? And it's a reality, that circle. So I tell him, you know, all right, right there between my fingers is that traffic circle. Let's look around there. How is the circle? Can you walk everywhere? Yeah? Uh, can you go everywhere? And then on the right side, yeah, the place where the artery starts that goes to the place where he reads, The road was blocked. I said, I can't go there very well. The road is a little bit, it needs fixing. I said, All right, let's fix it. Now, one of the things that happens with cranio in the blood, there are immune cells, there are stem cells, and they follow the vibration of, yeah, of. In this case, my hands, but also my voice. Yeah, that's one of the things that you learn with cranio to have a certain connection with the body. So I could feel immediately that they already heard what was needed and paid attention to what was needed. So I said, yeah, I think they started already. Are they there already? And he, yes, they're there. I said, well, tell them to start fixing the road. They don't want to. He shut up for a few seconds and then he said, they don't want to. I said, why not? And now comes the imagination. A few weeks before, at his house where he lived, the road was broken up. And all these guys came to fix the road with their yellow machines, you know, this caterpillar, whatever they're called. And all the workers, they stood on the side of the road, not doing anything, until they brought a big container for them to read their paper, to eat, to make coffee, to go to the toilet. They waited for the container. So his guys also <laughs> needed the container. So, all right, put the container, oops, the container there. And immediately they started working. And this is the beauty of stem cells. It takes them just a few minutes. We think it's going to take hours. But these cells, the immune cells, they only live a few weeks. So for them, a second is what for us is a month. Yet they are in a different time zone. Yeah. So within a few minutes, it was fixed. So, all right, I said, now let's go to the place. And I don't know what that artery is called. Yeah, I even don't care. Yeah, I just said, let's take the right road to go to the place where you read. All right, we go there. And I have no clue how a brain reads. No clue whatsoever. I don't think anybody knows yet the details about it. So I said, you know, okay. Do you have enough people to read for you? Yeah. Do they have a desk? Yeah, they do. Do they have a light? Can they see enough? Yes, they do. Why can't they read? Well, another stupid question. They need a book. Oh, I forgot to mention a book. So, all right, give them a book. Now, everybody has a book, a desk, a lamp, a chair to sit, enough people So why can't they read? Well, they're all on top of each other. There is no real space. And that's again, you know, that tension I was talking about, I said, oh, oh, I have a trick. So I grab his ears. I could have started with that. Yeah, but now he went through a whole thing, fixing and looking and, uh, you know, so, and I pull his ears and it was so tight so tight. So I said, can you feel that elastic between your ears? Yeah. I said, whose elastic is it? Mine. <laughs> Suddenly, it dawned on him. I said, all right, tell it to relax. You know, he told it, and it started to relax. And it at one point, it really opened up. So I said, all right, go home, come back in a week. A week later, he came back with his mom with a smile from ear to ear. Yeah. So it's not exactly what people might expect, but it's such a beautiful example. Yeah. What people might expect is a totally, yeah, an instant feeling of relaxation, Yeah, and yeah, that's basically the main thing. And if they, you know, they will also start connecting with the feeling inside, yeah, that um, it's like they connect to their true being, yeah, through their soul. That's basically what we can do with cranio, that no mind space, that's the space of the soul, Yeah, there is a soul inside of every body. The body will disappear at a certain point, but that soul, yeah, that's eternal. And that's where we can connect to it. And that soul takes over at a certain point. They feel that they have come home and that if they keep at it, you know, their life will whatever problem there is, they feel there is an answer there. That's the main the main thing that will happen that they, uh, the feeling of, yeah, they're not alone, there is an answer, whatever it is, but then there's an answer. They start feeling um, a kind of groundedness in themselves, yeah, that they haven't known before.
0: Wow. I I so love that story, Etienne. First of all, I want to just acknowledge you. For anyone who's fortunate enough to be watching video right now, you'll see the entire time. Etienne has such a beautiful soul. He's got a wonderful presence and energy to him. And in that story, one theme that I saw that was so wonderful that I think everyone can apply to their life, there was that moment where the road was blocked and where the workers there, yeah, but they're not working. Why? And there's no container. And, this, I, and then so every time he gave you like, like a, a roadblock or a challenge, a hurdle, a blockage, you were able to be flexible enough to move with it and to still get to the other side. And I think yeah. in our lives, if we're not flexible, we're being rigid. And if we're being rigid, it's like, it's got to be a certain way. It's got to be my way and the way that I thought it was going to happen. And if life is not unfolding that way, you usually get frustrated. You get disappointed but what if you could move with it? Oh, okay, so I heard a no. I heard the disappointment. I heard the why it's not going to happen and I can shift and I can move with it to still get yes, the help. Yes, I still yes. get where I want to go. And I think that um, in my own work, when I've had the the beautiful moments of getting to do that myself, I think it's the sign of somebody like yourself who's truly put in the time to become a master at your craft that when somebody shows up, and there's resistance in some way, you don't meet the resistance with resistance. You're meeting yep. resistance with a full acceptance and then it works. It opens up. Which oh, is yeah. Fantastic. If you could please share. So the foundation of this podcast, the foundation of my work is to help people create an extraordinary life without regret. If somebody were asking you, you know, how do I do that? How do I create an extraordinary life without regret? How would you advise them to do that? Um,
1: well, you know, go to somebody, go to a person like you, Dr. Jamil, or to a craniosacral person. Um, yeah, don't go with it alone. Yeah, some people, for some people, you know, they have to do it alone. But, you know, we're social creatures. Yeah, we, we're we here to help each other, to hug each other, to give a hand to each other, to even give advice or help people to go through their stuff, you know? And people like you and me, uh, we we have traveled the roads. Yeah, we know how to yeah, guide people or rather to bring out the inner guide. Yeah, the, everybody inside knows how to have how to live their life yeah nobody can tell you how you should live your life but yeah sometimes you need a little help to discover that you have it inside you are your own guide yeah and to bring that out that's a joy yeah to see people at a certain point yeah open their wings and fly yeah like a bird yeah uh, they at a certain point they have to leave the nest children also at a certain point they have to yeah go on their own and uh, that's also what we do yeah we uh we help people to to feel confident about themselves again yeah and not be stuck in uh yeah
0: he's oh please God.
1: Yeah, you know, we all take it so seriously. You know, the the whole our whole life it's so serious. You know, having to make money and all that stuff, and that's a disease. Seriousness is such a disease. Yeah,
0: mm. I love that. You know, there's a distinction I share with people that seriousness versus sincerity. You can take life sincerely. And not be serious. You can have a lot of fun. It can be important. And you can have so much fun along the way. And very often we talked about these beliefs that we have as when we're younger. And at some point or another, so many of us learn that once you're a quote unquote adult, that means something. Like you gotta be serious now. There's no more time for games. <laughs> but the thing is, you know, human beings, I like to say children are children, but adults are just big kids. And, you know, what's the distinction? Where's the line drawn between a kid and an adult? We as a society, we make up a number and we say, oh, at this point you're an adult, but that's arbitrary. It's all just you. Like, and so when we come from that space, what if you could live a life filled with play, filled with fun, filled with enjoyment, filled with fulfillment, and you took it sincerely? Yeah. Oh, you can have, I remember hearing Denzel Washington, the actor, he was giving a um, commencement speech at a university. And he said something to the extent of, we can't help getting older, but we don't have to get old. (laughs) You know, you get older, that's an age thing. The body is just progressing through time. Oh, yeah. Old is like a mindset. There are people that are in their teenage years or 20s, but when you're in their presence, they feel old. There's like a rigidity. There's a seriousness to them. And then there's people that we know 70, 80, 90, even over there's a playfulness, there's a joy, there's a youth to them. And that's not an age thing. That's a choice that we can make moment to moment to moment. Absolutely. And at one point, you know, it's not a choice anymore. You become a kid
1: again. Yeah. My girlfriend says that a lot to me. Uh
0: yeah. She's on the in the background here listening, but <laughs> um, you know, when you were sharing, there's a a reminder came to me. The movie The Wizard of Oz, for anyone who's seen it. There's a scene at the end. Dorothy has just gone, Dorothy, the main character. If you haven't seen it, she's just gone through this whole journey, a lot of challenges and hardships and scary moments. And she finally gets to the end of the movie now. And she's wearing these ruby slippers the whole time. And then there's the good witch. And the good, she goes, I want to go home. And the good witch tells her, Oh, just click your heels three times and say, you know, there's no place like home and you'll you'll go back home. And she goes, Really? Like I could have done it all along. And she says. <laughs> You always had the power, my dear. You just had to see it for yourself.
1: Yes, so totally right. And it reminds mm-hmm. me of what you
0: were just saying. Yeah, so totally to right. clients, It's like yeah. we're bringing them back home to themselves. We're helping yeah. them connect to the power that they already have.
1: <laughs> yes. And that's the best description of what craniosacral is actually. Yeah. You're bringing people back, connect them to their own home, to yeah. their
0: own being. Yeah. 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 So Etienne, if our conversation today was your last opportunity for our listeners to hear from you, if this was what you were going to leave them with, what would you want to make sure they know? Ha! find
1: it out yourself. Mm. Yes, you know, that's the beauty of it. You know, find your own way. That's the only way possible. Yeah, and stick with that. I did it my way. I'm not the only one. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. There is no other way, you know. There is helpers on the road like me and Dr. Shamil and so many others, you know, but you have to, and that's the beauty, you know, we are all individuals. We're all unique. We're all individuals and we are all geniuses. Each and everyone is a genius in their own right. You just have to bring that out. And the nice thing is, Everybody knows that. Everybody knows how brilliant they are. Deep inside, it's that jewel, and it just needs to be polished. And of course, once in a while, you need some help. I needed help at certain points. I think you also, Dr. Jamil, you know, have a few people that you needed and uh, yeah, that's the beauty of it also, you know, to be shown the way there is so many helping hands on the road.
0: It reminds me of uh, another Einstein quote. Uh, Everyone's a genius, but if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will live its own life thinking it's stupid. It doesn't work. And so in that same way, you know, you mentioned, you know, My Way. And it just reminded me, I love to sing. And so there's a Frank Sinatra song, My Way. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And then Elvis Presley did a cover of it that I really love. And if you Google the lyrics of that song, it's living a life, my way. And so everyone listening, there is a life that would be a life on your terms. There would be a life that at the end of your life, whenever that is, when you were looking back, you could look back with pride and say, I made that life. And I'm happy, there was challenges, there were twists and turns along the journey, but I did it my way. And very often I find when people aren't fulfilled with their life, it's because they haven't slowed down to really understand what is my way and they're busy living somebody else's version of their life. They're living somebody else's way, whether it's parents or society or the culture they grew up in. There's these expectations that are put on them that you need to be a certain way. But the truth of the matter is, You wake up in the morning, you look in the mirror. What's looking back at you? And is whatever's looking back at you proud of who you've become? Or is it saying to you, what are you doing? How how many more days are you going to keep living this life? And if you can recognize that and you can honor it and you can shift how you're being, you want to look in the mirror and just say, I'm so proud of you and mean it. You want to look in the mirror and feel that heart open up of just look how far you've come. You know, look where you were before and look where you are now. And you're so much further along the journey. And if you can say that you live in life on your way, and regardless of how long you're here in this physical existence, you're living a life without regret because you're doing it your way. And so if you haven't slowed down to check in with yourself, what do I really, really want? What would I love? I strongly encourage you to do that. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Matt. And so what are you working on or towards now that's exciting you? Say that again. What is it you're working on or working towards currently that's exciting you?
1: Oh, at this point, um, there is uh, I just finished uh, my second book. Uh, we're in the process of uh, bringing it out now. It just I need to review it one more time. Mm-hmm. And um, it it's basically the aspects of, yeah, what I went through and also a new way of birthing i'm promoting uh birthing without aggression um you know no cutting the cord just letting nature happen lotus birth we call it uh, just amazing to be born this way um or being born without any interference from anybody yeah you know that's so where did they get the idea that when a baby is born, they immediately have to use a scissor to disconnect it from their mother, from their placenta? Yeah, when, By doing that, that placenta and the umbilical cord, they're filled with stem cells, you know, and stem cells are the building blocks of life yes stem cells can create any organ in the body can create millions of cells and to disconnect you basically from your spare parts for the rest of your life you know is one of the you know, so that's going to be in that book uh the sacral it's not about sex but what meditation techniques we use Um, and of course you know I tell about my own life uh, expose my own life as much totally yeah there is no secret that I leave behind because I want my clients my students also yeah to get rid of their secrets yeah to be open Uh, so that's one thing and then what else am I doing I'm preparing a syllabus and that's really exciting. we are doing in Mexico and in Italy uh, a two 10-day classes uh, brain master classes where students learn how to deal with the brain not cranial but a little deeper with the brain itself so I'm busy creating those classes, and love- that's exciting.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love that so much. And so, for our listeners who would love to work with you, who would love to take your courses, learn craniosacral from you, get involved. How? Uh, what's the best way for them to contact you and get? Well, involved?
1: we have an easy website, uh, craniorocks.com, rocks like rock and roll. Hmm. Craniorocks.com, and then they get guided into the website. Perfect.
0: And everything's there.
1: Everything is there.
0: Perfect. So I'll yeah,
1: we also have online online classes. Our basic class is online. People can, you know, learn it online. And then regularly ask questions. We do Zoom regularly. And uh, also a self-help cranial program is also going to come soon online. So,
0: yeah, it's fun to uh, create I love that you just said that and so before i was about to wrap up but just one more thing then the, the idea that it's fun to create and i mentioned earlier you know what if you stepped into more play and fun and enjoyment and fulfillment in your life creation is how you do that and so if you were to sit there and ask yourself what would i love right now Recognize that very likely you could create that there's an action you could take there's a person you could call there's a thing you could do that could get you closer to that thing that you would love play with it, have fun, like go create. That's the name yeah. of the game. And so I, I will put the link in the show notes to Etienne's website. And for if, for our listeners, if you've enjoyed our conversation, please share it far and wide. Please share it with at least one person who you think would benefit from it and leave a review, whether it's Apple, Spotify, YouTube comment, wherever you're, you're tuning into this, it goes a long way. It helps the algorithm where more people find the show and they can get benefit as well. Etienne, thank you so much for your time. It was so wonderful to hear from your life experience and your wisdom. Is there anything you'd like to say before we wrap up?
1: Uh, yes. Uh, what I'm going to create in a few minutes is a, a cake. I have a recipe for a beautiful cake with pears. I love pears. You know my name, Pearsman. Yeah. Yeah. but uh, It's an easy cake, and that's what I'm going to create right now. <laughs>
0: I love that. Wonderful. (laughs) And so as we wrap up, you know, I said I said earlier in the show, my life's work is to help leaders, champions and high performers to experience more happiness, peace and fulfillment as they create an extraordinary life without regret. If I can support you with that, if you're going through any challenging moments right now and you'd like some support or if you've got a dream, a goal that you think is 10, 20 years out, let's make it real in a year or two. Why not? And so you can book a call to have a conversation to see if it's a good fit at jameelsayage.com. And obviously, you're listening to this podcast. There's so many other episodes that have had life-changing conversations for so many people. You can tune into the show. And if you're looking for content, I've been putting content on social media probably since 2015 or so, almost a 1,000 pieces of content at this point, videos, blogs, quotes, all these things that are free, Helpful, and I'd love for you to check them out. You can look at Dr. Jamil Sayed on Instagram and Jamil Sayed on Facebook and LinkedIn. I'll have all the links in the show notes below, as well as the links to connect with Etienne. And I've named this podcast Transformation Starts Today because I found that most people's favorite day to change their life is tomorrow. And that's why they stay stuck. But you can be different. You can think about the conversation that Etienne and I had today, and you can think, what new action can I take? How can I shift my life starting right now? What could I create? for myself and for those I care most about and the rest of your life will be the best of your life. Wishing you all the best. Take care, all my love. Thank you for being with us today. If this conversation served you, it would mean a lot if you left a review and shared this with anyone who may benefit. An extraordinary life without regret is available to you now. Choose it, it's your time.